Hello, welcome to Lazada Insider, featuring knowledge that makes a difference. We share trusted insights, forward-looking perspectives, and exclusive expert interviews to keep you ahead of the curve. Hi everyone, I'm your host Chen, and welcome to Lazada Insider. Today, we're going to explore the topic of customer's experience, and this is part of our Consumer's Insight series. As consumers are embracing the digital and omni-channels world quickly, businesses need to adapt and fine-tune their customers' experience strategy to stay ahead of the curve. Today, we have expert guest, Uzza, joining us again from Industry Platform to deep dive into this topic. He is the co-founder and CEO and leads the firm Enterprise Technology Consulting Practice. Over the years, he worked with clients across sectors to assess, plans and execute commercialization strategy for their homegrown company in Southeast Asia. Hi, Oza. Thank you for joining us again. Hi, Chen. Again, thank you very much for having me today. First of all, can I trouble you to introduce yourself again and tell us a bit more about your company? Yeah, sure. Um, as you mentioned earlier, what we do is uh, we help companies who are looking to grow in Southeast Asia. Um, I classify our stakeholders in our ecosystem into four categories. So either government entities, um, telecommunication companies, technology solution providers, as well as end users of uh, technology. So we help them with their growth strategy, you know, whether it's a company from the Philippines looking to grow outside of the Philippines or companies outside of Southeast Asia looking to build a presence in this part of the world. Sure. From your experience and research, so what are some of the new customers' experience needs emerging from the pandemic? Um, I think that's a super interesting question, very relevant as well. I think everybody, you know, we've suffered through the pandemic for the last, what, 18 months now. And there's been a lot of shifts, I think, in our conversations with our ecosystem partners in this part of the world. Um, especially in Southeast Asia, right? Because Southeast Asia is seen as a developing market. It's not a developed market. So um, what people has done, what people have done over the pandemic is they've increased the use of digital. So from when we speak to banks in the region, they say, hey, you know what? We're seeing a lot of online transactions happening now. You know, people are transferring money to each other. The use of cash, cash has decreased. And the growth in this part of the world is larger than in developed markets. So even if you look uh, at individual markets in Southeast Asia, so online transactions in, for example, countries like Indonesia or the Philippines have increased so much more than in more developed countries like maybe in uh, Singapore or Malaysia. So I think because of the increased usage of digital, digital means to transact or to purchase items or even to communicate, I think the expectations of end consumers have changed quite a lot, right? My expectation of my bank has changed because previously every time I wanted to pick money and maybe I'll go down to my ATM and I'll withdraw money and I can feel the whole cold hard cash. Right now, the experience is a lot different when I transfer money to a friend or when I interact with, uh, when I make a purchase without transferring like real hard cash right? It's all digital in nature. So my expectations from my bank will be a bit different. So I'll put it into context. I think a lot of banks have said, you know, their customer service hotlines have increased in number of calls because maybe a transaction couldn't go through or some people um, are more concerned. Hey, you know, I've made a purchase online. Did the purchase go through? 
oh, hey, you know, I received this SMS. What is it? But actually, it's a subscription that they had signed up for like six months ago, which get built on a either quarterly or six-month basis. So I think the expectations on companies or service providers have shifted drastically. Is it more? Is it less? Uh, I think it really depends on the industries. So one, one example I'd like to bring up as well, a utility company in the uh, Philippines, um, and you know, Philippines is a large archipelago, right? A lot of people live in different islands. And during the pandemic, because of the lockdown, the utility company said, hey, you know what? Our billing has been a lot less efficient because people are not making payments at, uh, you know, point of payments or, or even through their banks because they couldn't go to the banks, right? So they had to quickly ramp up a digital payment platform, payment and billing platform connected to the banks and to make sure that their payments are getting through. Right, but to do that, um, they had to make sure internet connectivity was first pre present for all their their users, right? So they needed to care about a does my client have internet connection to make a payment, and then b are they satisfied with the services I'm providing? Because you know, if you're sending late payment bills during COVID, it doesn't make you look good as well, right? Yeah, sure. Here come the million dollars questions. So, yeah. what drive a great customer's experience, and are there any differences uh, when you compare physical world versus digital experience? Um, I, again, like you say, I think that is the million dollar uh, question, right? Uh, based on our discussions, I think I could categorize this into four main themes. So, there's convenience, there's personalization, visibility, and speed. So I think these are the four factors across which people measure digital or non-personal, what you call physical uh, customer interactions, right? Um, a lot of companies we speak to just try to replicate what's physical into the digital realm, but I think most of us know that's 100% not possible, right? And it depends on where you sit within the, 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 the customer experience as well. So... We, we see a lot of, of retail companies now, grocery stores, uh, convenience stores, uh, F&B outlets, shifting from the in-store experience towards a more seamless digital experience, or they try to make it seamless. But let's be honest, right? Um, ordering and eating your fried chicken live in a restaurant when it's just been in the fryer two minutes ago is very, very different from receiving it 30 minutes after uh, when you deliver it to your home. So how, how do brands replicate this? Um, I, I think it's very difficult for some sectors. In sectors like F&B, for example, you've got to decide whether you want to build your entire ecosystem yourself. Um, if you look at most, you know, well-known retail fast food chains in uh, Singapore, at least, or even in Southeast Asia, um, they have their own delivery fleet. They have had their own delivery fleet for the last five, 10 years, right? But then with the onset of all these delivery application apps, do they then decide that, hey, you know what? I'm going to put my food on a third-party application to get food delivered to my customer. So for a well-known brand, you have your own marketing strategy. But then at the point of purchase, do they purchase it at an app you built at your restaurant or at a third-party app? And then once the purchase happens, the delivery is part of the experience as well, right? Everything from the amount of time it takes to get your food delivered to the interaction between yourself and the person and the person delivering your food, right? And last but not least is the point where you actually consume your food. Um, does it still stay the same? Is it within uh, an acceptable delivery period 
whereby the food uh, quality hasn't deteriorated enough, right? So, so I think that's a great question. You know, um, what's the difference between physical and digital? I think in some cases, when you don't have perishable items or even FNB, when it comes to consumer products, maybe like beauty, skincare, um, CX can actually be very, very helpful for you because, you know, um, it doesn't matter whether you get your item in 30 minutes or two hours or even two days later, right? Because there's no immediate need. But when it comes for like food or services, it's a lot harder to replicate what you do physically, I think. Sure. Thanks for highlighting the differences. And my next question is, I'm curious to know, how can businesses keep up with the rising expectations of the consumers uh, to deliver a better customer experience? I mean, from the business's point of view. Um, that's also very, very difficult because if, for example, you're a fast food company who sells amazing fried chicken, right? How do you replicate that immediate um, experience whereby, hey, you know, I'm ordering two pieces of fried chicken, I wait five minutes and then five minutes later it gets sent to my table and I eat it then. Then You, you can't replicate that uh, digitally, right? You, you cannot. So in order to replicate that, you, then you need to take into account different things. Uh, in Singapore and in Malaysia, for example, uh, one example I always like to use about customer experience is uh, in Singapore and Malaysia, we are very well known for being very willing to queue up for good food. I think a lot of people place customer experience at the, oh, I shouldn't allow my customer to wait one or two hours. But customer experience is also the product, right? If customers see a product which is cheap, which is of high value to them, uh, they will be more than willing to, to substitute their time queuing up for it. So how, how can brands actually look at, at building a customer experience which is valuable today, I think first they've got to understand their value proposition. And, and as I mentioned earlier, the hawkers who sell great food in Malaysia and Singapore understand their value proposition. Their value proposition isn't service quality or short wait times because their value proposition is their food at a low cost, right? And that forms part of what makes good uh, CX or customer experience for their customers. Whereas if you are competing in a more vanilla space, let's say um, one, one category I would like to talk about is let's say insurance, right? All of us hate getting calls from insurance companies. And it was a strategy that a lot of insurance companies use for many, 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 many years, telemarketing, right? But now a lot of these insurance companies and banks and financial institutions are using uh, technology to target their clients more effectively, which means, you know, if, if you use the traditional method of telesales, maybe out of every 150 clients, you get one person to buy an insurance. But now if you can carefully target according to demographics, according to needs, um, your conversion rates would be a lot higher, but you need the technology to do that. You need the data to do that. You need to build an entire uh, infrastructure of data in order to support that kind of uh, customer experience when it comes to marketing a product. Sure. Thanks for the reminder. I think it's important for us to look at this customer experience holistically, including product experience as well. And it's important, of course, to find the value propositions. Next, I wanted to know your predictions. What is the next big thing in customer's experience? Are we expecting more technology breakthrough in the CX space? 
you, you know, this is something that's that's very interesting, and and we see, to be fair, we see a lot of different uh, technologies, and especially within the CX space, you know, you have this whole realm of uh, AR and VR. But people have been talking about AR, VR, and IoT for the last six years, seven years, right? Um, but I don't think that's the trick. I don't think that's the secret sauce, right? Um, I think right now, what the good companies are doing well in order to transform digital uh, CX for their customers is just integrating all their different solutions. You know, if you have a CRM, you have a, a ERP which manages your supply chain, make sure your ERP is plugged in with your vendors, make sure your CRM is actually plugged in with marketing data as well as customer data. And effectively, it's just having breaking down data silos within organizations right so that a customer gets a seamless experience from the point of let's say in in we, we mentioned the restaurant business earlier the customer should have a seamless experience from the point of marketing to the point of purchase to the point of experience itself right because all these touch points make it very very important in forming an identity of your brand Right. So, but, you know, uh, Chen, I'd like to maybe use an example of the computer industry back in the 1970s or 1980s. Back then, you know, you had silos, right? Um, you had companies, let's say uh, uh, IBM, they built their own software, they built their own hardware, they had their own re uh, distribution channels, their own sales team. But today, when you look at the computer industry, um, I think the only complete ecosystem would say would be what Apple does, right? But for most other computer uh, ecosystems, software is made by Microsoft. The hardware can be made by either Dell or Asus or Compaq. And well, Compaq doesn't exist anymore. Acer, you know, and then the distribution channels, the sales channels, you can buy a computer from a Harvey Norman store or an electronic store down the road, you know, Courts. Uh, Right now, I think things are transferring again, whereby companies want to own the entire value chain, right? Um, and you're seeing that in big tech, right? Um, Microsoft now has hardware, right? Uh, Google just came out with their new phone, but it's the same as well for companies in Southeast Asia. When you look at how much of your value chain do you actually own, right? So again, I, I use the example of uh, fast food restaurants. Do you do you make sure your clients or your consumers go into your own app to order their own food or do you outsource that to a third-party app? And for delivery as well, do you make sure you maintain and run your own delivery fleet or do you then rely on a third-party logistics player, right? So so I think these are, these are things that people have to take into consideration and I think the biggest breakthrough, as you call it, Chen, in... in uh, uh, in improving CX is effectively giving a seamless experience. The tech already exists, and I think a lot of them are being used right now. It's about just implementing it or integrating it across the entire value chain so that your customer has a consistent experience from start to end. A bit of your personal experience. So could you share with us one great experience you had that impressed you recently? Uh, sure. And, and that's a, a very uh, interesting question. And I... I didn't think I would bring this up, especially because, you know, since COVID, I've not traveled. So I've not traveled since uh, April 2020. Uh, we used to travel a lot you know, for, for our business because of the work we do in the region. 
uh, we would be traveling, you know, almost every week or every two weeks uh, to different parts of Southeast Asia. And I usually stay within uh, one of these uh, hotel chains. Um, and as you know, I haven't been a customer of them for, well, 17 months, right? I've not spent a single dollar with them for 17 months. But what's super interesting is uh, they haven't forgotten, right? So last year, I think during my birthday, they sent a greeting, they sent a small uh, birthday, like a, an actual birthday gift, which had to be delivered. It wasn't a digital, hey, here, have a $50 voucher, right? So there was a lot of effort that they put in uh, to actually make you feel like, hey, you know what? This company re remembers me, right? And I didn't expect that this year, but they did the same thing this year as well because I've not been a client. I've not been a customer for 17 months. But, you know, and, and it comes with a personalized message as well. So there's somebody who actually sends you uh, an email with a personalized note saying, hey, we remember two years ago, you spent your birthday at, you know, one of our properties uh, with your family. How is she doing? Uh, it wasn't the same person, so it, it's not somebody who is consistent, but, you know, they have this information on their database. On my part, I, I saw it as a as a very, very valuable, very personalized relationship that I built with the brand as opposed uh, to a relationship that I built with an individual. And I know for a fact that when travel happens again, this is the kind of company that I would like to continue doing business with, right? Because they've put in the extra uh, effort, I would say, mm to make me feel valued as a customer, right? So it goes back to, to what I mentioned earlier, right? This is uh, the pers personalization portion mm -hmm. of CX. And I think in this digital world, that's being lost. It, a lot of it is being lost, right? Because it's so easy to automate. I, I think uh, Chen, you and I can do it, right? I'll put Chen's birthday into my email and then every time it's his birthday, automatically send like a virtual greeting. Um, yes, it's better than not receiving a greeting, but it's a lot worse than receiving a personalized uh, effort-taking uh, activity, which which includes like a birthday gift or even uh, a personalized note. Sure. I think that serves as an important reminder. Businesses, of course, need to strike a balance between the human touch as well as the, the technology. Thanks for sharing that. Last but not least, do you have any other advices to share with our businesses in Southeast Asia? Uh, yeah, I, I think, again, right, uh, I would always put it back into the, the, the basics of business is to understand your value proposition, right? Um, you, you know, we, we speak about, again, my, my favorite example about CX that I always bring up to, to people who are looking at too complex decisions or which technology should I use to maintain engagement with my clients? Should I use this chatbot? Should I use that chatbot? Uh, I, I think understand the scale or, or the, the basics of your value proposition, right? CX can also include stuff like uh, product features or the cost, right? If you're going to invest into an extremely expensive, I don't know, AI chatbot system, will that actually give value to your clients or will it actually, could it potentially reduce value from your clients? Because let's say you invest X dollars into a chatbot system and because of that, you have to increase your price by a certain amount. You've got to take into consideration about the cost of the product. You've got to take into consideration whether people actually value chatting to a chatbot um, or especially in Southeast Asia. Right, I, I think a lot of people forget that in Southeast Asia, labor is not as expensive as it is in uh, 
developing in developed countries. In Southeast Asia, sometimes technology solutions might not be the best solution. Uh, don't get me wrong, I think they're amazing, but there's a need, there's a fit and there's a need for each organization. And jumping into tech too early, I think might be a negative consequence to the way your business is built, to the way customers interact with you. Because I shouldn't be building a chatbot system if I'm, I don't understand what my customers are saying in the first place. I can't take a playbook from another company and try to implement the exact same things. Right. And all too often, sometimes I think technology solution providers are too eager to sell you products or solutions which may not be the best fit for you. So what I, I normally ex, uh, tell our clients or our stakeholders is like, take a step back, understand the funnels, fundamentals of the business first. Uh, don't get caught up in this digital way for the sake of getting caught up. Right. If your value proposition is your cost, then protect it uh, vigilantly. Right. Uh, protect it if your if your competitive advantage is how you interact with your customers, is going is hiring a is engaging a chatbot company the best way to do it? Um, think about it. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. But I think keep the fund business fundamentals at the core of everything that you do. That brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you for your guest sharing, Elsa. Thank you very much for your time, Chen. It was a pleasure. This is Azana Insider. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you click follow and subscribe so you don't miss our latest insights and expert interviews. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, take care. La,